Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 304. A cruise to the Southern Caribbean offers a getaway to some of the most beautiful islands in all the Caribbean, and luckily, Royal Caribbean has year-round sailing to these fantastic islands. On this episode, we talk with a podcast listener who recently took a cruise on Freedom of the Seas and shares his experience heading down south. Here we go. One of the things I love to do on this podcast is share others' cruise experiences because it allows us all to see how everyone cruises, whether it's a new ship to us or an intriguing itinerary or perhaps just the fun that ensued on a weekend away. I love hearing about others' experiences. And this week, Derek Bergen joins me to talk about his recent Freedom of the Seas cruise to the Southern Caribbean. Derek is one of those known him for years but never met the guy friends in the cruise community. And he's also the author of many fantastic blog posts at touringplans.com. He's an artist and leading advocate of the Ban Billy Not Kale movement. Derek, welcome to the Royal Cream Blog <laughs> Podcast. Howdy. <laughs> Glad to have you on here joining us. And uh, we're talking about your recent Freedom of the Seas cruise to the Southern Caribbean. And, um, you know, uh, I, I mentioned this in the intro, but I've known Derek for many, many years, although I would never be able to pick him out of a crowd. I actually have no idea what you look like. And also, we've never <laughs> met before, but we've known each other through, uh, actually through the Disney uh, community. And some common friends, we know uh, Billy from CruiseHabit.com, Scott from uh, the Disney Cruise Line blog.com. So it's like, you know, I, I don't know, we're like second degree friends or something like that. I'm not sure how that works, but Derek, glad to have you finally on here. In the uh, wrestling term, we're brothers from another mother, right? <laughs> That's right, brother. <laughs> uh, so t- let's talk about what I love to actually, what I don't spend enough time talking about, but I want to make sure we, t- we hit upon, is why did you book this cruise? Because I think for most people, it's not just, well, I need to go on vacation. There's always like an interesting story or reason why they picked this. Why did you pick this particular ship and the sailing, Dirk? Uh, we picked the Southern Caribbean because uh, we've sailed. This this was our fourth sailing. We've had two Royal Caribbean sailings and one Disney one, and they've all been Western Caribbean, which is going to drive my girlfriend crazy. Uh, but one of the things on her bucket list was St. Lucia for whatever reason. When she was growing up, uh, she was talking to a person, and they really uh, said they had a great time at this country. This was like 20 years ago, uh, and she, it's been in her head that you know for decades. And so we were looking for other. Um, itineraries to go to when we saw St. Lucia and then we saw all these other islands, uh, we just had to do that. And interesting enough, we actually booked this cruise for last year uh, in April. And that was the year shortly before that, that the Southern Caribbean and Puerto Rico, especially, which was where the uh, sailing came out of, uh, was crushed by the hurricane, you know, the one they're still fighting for relief now. Mm. Uh, So we put it off for a full year uh, to give all these countries a little time. I know you've had some podcasts where it is good to help these countries, and I totally understand that. But with with the little vacation time we have and how much money these cost – I didn't want to go right after a major hurricane. Living in Florida, I know what that's like sometimes when recovering. It's just it's just not a good experience. Uh, so we waited to this year to do it. Nice. So obviously the itinerary was a major factor in your decision of where to cruise from. Definitely, number one. The, the second would be our first Royal Caribbean cruise was with Freedom of the Seas, and we had a great time. And then our second one was with Oasis. And when we were on Oasis, uh, my girlfriend thought – uh, that there was maybe too much going on, and she thought going back to a smaller ship would be better. And it turns out it's not. There's a lot more stuff going on in the bigger <laughs> ships than that we found out. Uh, so I think we'll be moving back up to bigger ships in the future. Okay, you went the Goldilocks way. You went for the really big ship, you went for the small ship, and now you're finding the medium to slightly larger ship. That's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I like it. But the, um, the itinerary, and, and and we had such a good time, I think itinerary is now going to be the number one uh, reason for our cruisings, our sailings destinations. 
Makes sense. Absolutely. So let's talk about, uh, first of all, obviously Freedom goes out of San Juan, Puerto Rico. How did you manage getting to San Juan? Did you have any issues with, with flights or anything of that nature or was it pretty straightforward? Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely learned a lesson because uh, we – the cruise left at 8 p.m. at night, which is nice because all our other Port Canaveral Miami sailings have been like in the afternoon. You kind of get on the ship. Uh, this one was leaving at 8 p.m. So I thought, well, we're in Florida. I'll just book a flight at you know early in the morning and get there. Uh, so we booked out of Fort Lauderdale and our flight was supposed to leave at 11. And at 10 a.m. in the Fort Lauderdale airport, uh, they say that our plane was being taken out of rotation and they're trying to find another airline to give us a flight. Uh, to Puerto Rico. So already I'm thinking I really should have flew to Puerto Rico the day before and made sure, you know, none of this nonsense was uh, taken. So that's another lesson I kind of learned. If we ever sail out of Galveston, Texas or Puerto Rico again, I think for my state of sanity, I'm going to book a flight the day before so that any problems come up, uh, it'll take care of that. So that was uh, very nerve wracking. I mean, we ended up definitely getting there in time and you know, but it was a stressful couple hours until they said, okay, we're ready to fly. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a really good idea. If you're flying, especially if you're flying, definitely come in at least one day ahead of time to avoid running into a situation like that. Because you don't want to have, you don't want, it's bad enough when you hear there's a travel delay because your flight is canceled or, or delayed or what have you. But it's also quite another when you realize, oh no, not only is my flight delayed, but our entire vacation is possibly in jeopardy right now. And you don't want to have that thought yeah. in your mind. You just want to be like, well, We'll have dinner a little later. That's like the big issue you should be dealing with. So um, glad to hear, though, that you were able to make the cruise. Thanks, thanks to you, I discovered that there's Facebook pages dedicated to just cr single cruise uh, itineraries. Uh, so yes. I had been following a Freedom to See This sailing, and uh, you know, so many of the people on that page, you know, were posting pictures on you know the day before that they're at hotels and stuff like that. Uh, so I'm really glad you introduced me. I had no idea that that subculture existed, and it was really neat seeing all these people going on the same cruise I did, and were much smarter about it by booking earlier <laughs> flights. No, it's a really good. T I'm glad you brought that up, Derek, because what Derek is talking about is. If you're going on any cruise, any Royal Caribbean cruise, what you should do if you're on Facebook is go to Facebook and search for your ship name and the sail date. So, you know, you're going as an example, uh, last week, uh, you know, this podcast came out, but um, last week I'm, I was on Harmony of the Seas, May 9th. So if you search for Harmony of the Seas, May 9, 2019, you would have found the Facebook group because there's pretty much a Facebook group for most sailing, especially ones out of North America. I mean, Europe and Asia might be a little more hit or miss, but it's a great way not only to learn about your sailing, learn what other people are doing, heck, meet people before you actually get on board the ship. It's it's a win-win in my even if you never post anything, it's really cool to be able to kind of, yeah. you know, see what others are up to. Yeah, I just lurked and, you know, liked some things, but it was just it, it's neat being around a shared community who are all excited about the same event. And there was there was actually multiple pages for this one cruise. That was very oh, wow. surprising. So what did you book? What kind of stateroom did you book for this cruise? We uh, kind of decided on our first cruise, on the first Freedom that we're always going to do balcony cruises or higher. I've never done a suite, but I, you know, I definitely would do a suite. I personally don't think a, a large part of why we like cruising is having that uh, balcony and being able to sleep and open the door up and listen to the ocean and getting up and seeing the sunrise. I mean, that is such a huge component. Uh, you know, we have that shared love of theme park. For me, it's like if you're going to stay at the Animal Kingdom Lodge at Disney, you want the Savannah view. What is the point of getting a parking lot view with that? You're just stay somewhere else and drive over. Uh, so being on a cruise, that is a huge part. I would say that's probably 50% of what we enjoy about cruising. It's just the re the relaxed time we have in our room, sitting out there, having a drink, just relaxing. We, you know, we saw dolphins outside of our balcony. I mean, that is just a huge part. So we just done a standard uh, out, so out, outdoors, what do you call balcony room? Sorry. <laughs> what do they call the uh, verandas, what they're called on Disney, right? And Royal right. Caribbean has a different 
uh, superior ocean view, I think it was called. Nice. And you were happy with your decision? Very much so. And in, fa- in fact, I, I believe when we were walking the hallways uh, to our room, I think I saw some much bigger rooms. I'm assuming our junior suites. I I'm, don't have as much knowledge of the Royal Caribbean. But what we liked about our superior ocean view ones is the bed is really right next to the, the door slash, you know, window, the sliding door uh, where these bigger suites, the, the bed is more towards uh, the front of the cabin. Uh, so it's more towards the door and you're away from that window. So I kind of actually like the smaller size room because it has that amenity of being so close to the ocean. Oh, nice. I'm glad to hear that. Did you pre-purchase anything before your cruise, like a drink package or especially restaurant dining or anything of that? Yes, uh, the ultimate drink package and some of the excursions. Nice. What did you think of the drink package? We loved it. And we, we really don't drink too much in the in the real world. But when you're on there and everything's included, I mean, we became one week alcoholics in, in a sense. It just <laughs> – it's so easy to try new drinks or you get the Miller Lights. Uh, you get to go to all the shows on your excursions. They have the waters and drinks available right when you're about to get off the ship. It's just so convenient. I really like that. Absolutely. No, it's – I mean people always ask, you know, is the drink package worth it? And it's like – I would tell them, you know, Derek, you put up a great example of why it is worth it because you get to try new drinks. You get to, you know, take advantage of taking the bottled water off the ship and you know, a variety of other reasons that it makes a lot of financial sense. And on the other side, you could you could make an argument against that. But, you know, in this case, the argument obviously works for your advantage. So I'm glad to hear that you uh, that you like that. Let's talk about your Well, your one plans. thing I noticed I wanted to ask you, because a change from this cruise compared to my previous ones, we've also had the drink package, is when I would get a drink, they'd still give me something to just sign my name. And I felt I guess compelled is a word that I would just tip a dollar to, even though it's all prepaid and they say the tips are built in. On this sailing, when we had the drink package, they just gave us the drinks and said you're all set all the time. They never gave us anything to sign or yeah. to encourage a tip, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, they. it seems to be the whether or not you get a receipt or not with the drink package seems to be almost ship to ship. Some ships still have the receipts. Some do not. And I'm not sure, quite frankly, why there's that case. This is just – uh, this is like classic Royal Caribbean, if you ask me, where there's like different policies depending on which ship you're on. And I'm not sure what the official policy is supposed to be. But, you know, what's interesting, Derek, is you're right. First of all, first and foremost, if you buy the drink package, you're not required to tip anything else. Your tip is built into the drink package price, and that covers your gratuity. That being said, the some people do elect to, like you said, give an extra dollar or something like that, whether it's in cash or signing the receipt. And the some people argue, and I've seen it go both ways, where sometimes if you do give them an extra dollar or some other tip of some kind, they the, the bartenders will pay a lot more attention to you. And this may be more important in cases of which you're spending a lot of time at the bar and you're trying to get faster service. This may or may not, again, it's not to say it's, it's a guarantee or anything like that, and not to say also that if you don't, they're going to you know never come talk to you. Far from it. You still get great service. But there's, there's yeah. very much a debate in the grand scheme of drink package uh, aficionados about – what is the uh, what's the where's the way to go? And I go both ways, honestly. It's it's I've seen it go both ways. I, it's, it's not I've done scientific research into this, Derek, and I can tell you that yeah. it's, it's inconclusive. So is Billy, I imagine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At the end of the week, I did end up giving uh, some cash tips, uh, you know, to some of the people I thought gave us some exceptional service in the in the bar area. Uh, nice. So I mean, I did it that way. But in the previous trips, I would tip like one or two on every drink. So I, unfortunately, I feel bad. Uh, for the employees, because I I'm sure they lost out on this by not giving receipts. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I I'd be very curious as to the the, the rationale behind it, but I've, quite frankly, it'll lose me at this point. Um, I also wanted to mention one thing we forgot to talk about, which is you tried the key on this cruise. 
I did. And unfortunately, I don't have much good things to say about it. I, I think, unfortunately, it's not set up for the smaller ships compared to the bigger ships. Uh, even from the check-in they had uh, at the port in, in uh, San Juan, uh, they had a special line for the key. Uh, but they, there was just somebody, uh, just uh, some guests waiting for other people checking in, just standing at the front of the line. And no one at Royal Caribbean did anything uh, to, like, get them out of the way. So we just ended up waiting for a while anyway just to check into the cruise. Uh, so I thought right at the beginning, I felt I was, like, kind of throwing money away into this. And really, uh, outside of one elevator on, on when you came onto the ship on one of the excursions, they had a dedicated uh, the key elevator. Uh, there was no benefit for us at all having the key. Hmm. Interesting. <coughs> Excuse me. I was going to say the um, the benefit of the key really, I don't want to say in the eye of the beholder, but it it's not a, it's just like the drink package, right? If you buy the drink package and never drink anything or don't take advantage of it, there's not much you can really get out of it. By the same token, the key is a little bit of how you cruise, first of all. And second of all, you know, I, I think it is a little bit of the ship dependent. And I think that uh, depending on what you're looking to get out of it, I can see the benefit. I mean, I tried the key on Mariner of the Seas, and, you know, I thought it was, there were some things I liked, and there were some things that were just, a lot of the benefits I feel like I just didn't take advantage of uh, for what, the, because of the way I cruise. But it really depends on who you are, I think. And, and But it's interesting. I'm glad you were able to share your experience there. And maybe the, one of the draws for us was, was priority disembarkation for the ports, but the freedom is so small, they don't have a second place for the key to get off. Uh, so you're still getting off with people, and I don't think there was enough communication with uh, the employees. There's mm -hmm. no, like, fast pass or anything like that. You're in the same line. Uh, there, there was one day uh, where they had a second area for the key to go, and an um, employee literally told me not to go in that line, to stay uh, where we were. Uh, so unfortunately, I was very disappointed with it. Yeah, that would be that would be annoying because I mean, that's probably and I would agree with you. That's a huge benefit of it. I also think it's very cute that you think Freedom is a small ship because Freedom has over four thousand passengers. It's bigger than any of the Disney ships. After Oasis, <laughs> it puts things into scale. Okay, I just I can you mentioned that like two or three times. I'm like we're talking about Freedom, right? Not like you know Majesty. Okay, okay. I can also uh, say. I, doing like cruise critic and your website the forums uh there's people saying I, I think the ship is going to dry dock to get some refurbishment and normally i'm Sorry. not one to notice stuff like that but you can definitely see like the carpets need to be deep cleaned and replaced and stuff like that uh so yeah the age of the ship is definitely showing compared to one of the newer ships let's talk about the ports because of course after all you did book the southern caribbean for the southern caribbean this is really what drew you there and you visit a number of ports uh we'll talk let's take each one here uh st kitts um, talk about what six, you did seven, in St. Kitts. Days. We're, we're, uh, normally, when we're doing West Caribbean, it's like half sea days, half ports. Yes. So this was very port heavy, which was an uh, interesting dynamic, and I really liked it. It's much in, very enjoyable. Cool. Uh, what did uh, you do in St. Kitts? St. Kitts, we did a uh, excursion through Royal Caribbean. We did the hiking up the volcano Mount Viamuega um, or something like that. And I, if I do anything on this entire podcast, it's to warn people to never do this hike. I think they warn you <laughs> that you need to be in great physical condition. You need to be a CrossFit trainer, not just the person taking CrossFit. You need to be the person taking the class. It literally killed me for the entire week. And we, we made it all the way up and not the entire uh, – definitely not the entire 
uh, group with us made it all the way up. And then we, you know, went back down and it was, I couldn't even walk stairs, uh, the first two days. It was, it was exhausting. It was beautiful. Uh, my girlfriend, when she got to the top, uh, she was crying. It was just so beautiful. I was crying because I couldn't believe we had to walk down after this <laughs> and it was very hard. Uh, but it is a very, uh, gorgeous, uh, view. It is not worth the hike. It not at all. So you need to have 24 inch pythons in order to be able to conquer this mountain. I need Sherpas or somebody. And there, maybe that should have been the key. Somebody who carries me up like Marlon Brando when they got on to Dr. Moreau or something like that. Then I would enjoy it more. All right. But it, awesome. was, it, it was beautiful. How about Antigua? Antigua, we did a, a private tour. And, and, and usually, or my previous cruises, I've booked through Disney or Royal Caribbean. But I've been listening to you on the podcast a lot. And you've talked about how you often do not book through the – cruise ships anymore you know you can get much better deals or you can get more attentive service uh so i figured i'd try that out on this trip and so we did a private tour of antigua and the guy met us at the port uh took us all around we, you know we got the history of the island we saw this place called shirley heights which just gave you some gorgeous views uh of the island it was, it was just it was just fantastic uh unfortunately we didn't get to see black pineapple or taste black pineapple which is like one of the delicacies of the island it just wasn't in season i think it was coming back like in a week uh but no. <laughs> at the, the very this, i told you about that exactly this is uh, a <laughs> This part was crazy. We had lunch near Shirley Heights. There's a restaurant at one of the places up there. Uh, and our driver waited for a to-go order. And it was taking a long time. We, we finally left. And he, he drove us down to like a marina. And I'm like, we're just going to skip the marina. We're going to go to a, a beach or something like that because we don't have much time left. He goes, I, <laughs> my to-go order wasn't ready. I was going to go back and get it while you guys were taking this tour. <laughs> I just couldn't believe this was happening. And <laughs> We took we toured this marina, which was kind of neat. But I mean, we wanted to go to a beach. Uh, well, yeah. he went to go get his go order. Uh, <laughs> he picks us back up. You know, we were still driving around for black pineapple. Nobody had it. It, just, it definitely was not in season or whatever it is. Uh, and we're getting back to the port, and it, it was coming up to like five minutes before the ship was about or everybody is aboard, whatever that's called, all aboard. All aboard. And all I can think is about is I'm going to kill Matt Hotchberg. <laughs> 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 we ended up doing it with like three minutes to spare. Uh, that was a day where the key had a, uh, they finally had an elevator set aside. The first, uh, the rest of the trip they didn't. Uh, but when we got on, there was an elevator bank set aside for the key people, which is good because I could barely uh, walk at that moment. Uh, so we got the <laughs> elevator up. But it, it showed me the risks that you take doing a private tour. But I will say it was so much enjoyable just me and my girlfriend having this tour around the island, whereas before we've always been part of groups and you're on a bus and everybody's shepherded. You know, there's usually a person with a microphone and you get five minutes here, five minutes there. You know, they're taking photos. Uh, it was really cool during the actual experience. If yeah, not I mean, the, right. It's and, and, I, and I love those private tours just for that being able to move at your own pace for that reason alone. I like it. I would advise you. Remember this advice when you're doing a private tour. Always give. I always get back to the ship at least two to three. I plan to get back two to three hours before all aboard. That way, there's enough padding. You run into traffic. Some guy's waiting for us to go order. Whatever the case may be, you can still make it back with plenty of time. Nice. Well, that's right, what well, that's our lesson on. The next day was St. Lucia, and we had another private tour with a different company, and we kind of learned um, the first day, we kind of let him take us on what was the cool stuff of the island. 
on Antigua, I mean, I'm sorry, on, on St. Lucia, and this is, again, my girlfriend's, you know, bucket list item, we kind of told the driver right away what we wanted to do. Uh, we definitely Good. wanted to hit the beaches. We wanted to see the Patones, uh, go to a botanical garden. She's really into nature and stuff like that. We we wanted to skip the you know the history of the island. I mean, we, we did a lot of it. And it was great in Antigua, some really interesting stuff. Uh but it, would, it just took up so much time. It, it took away from things we wanted to do. Uh, so he was uh, uh, perfectly amenable to everything. He, it was absolutely fantastic. And we gave him that more of a deadline. Like the all aboard was at 530. We wanted to be back at like 334. And he got us there on a dime. And it was it was absolutely a uh, perfect day. Uh, he took us to – we went to one beach. And my girlfriend didn't like it. She go it was too close to the, the major port of the city. Uh, so we took you – know, he called one of his friends. And he, they ended up, and he ended up driving us to this other, you know, really secluded beach. I couldn't believe it. Uh, there was nobody there with this gorgeous rocks and stuff like that. And wow. it was just, it was absolutely fantastic. I couldn't believe it. And he's taking tons of photos because I think he wants to add this on to his repertoire where he takes people. <laughs> just uh, fantastic. But the Pitones uh, were, or is that how you pronounce it? I hope I'm not butchering it. But they were I gorgeous. The, I always thought it was the Pitons. I think the Pitones are somebody from InSync. I am known for mangling the English. <laughs> I know I'm terrible at that too, but I couldn't. I couldn't let that one go. I'm sorry. But we we were at a, a site looking, and we got some photos of the pitons. And we could. He was my driver was uh, pointing out. You could see the steam coming up because that's where the volcano baths are. Uh, so we drove us over there. And that's where you get in these really hot uh, mineral baths from the waters coming straight from the uh, volcano. Are, that's what they say. This could be a big work. Now there's maybe a big hot water heater there going on. Uh, but you get in there, you you sit for five minutes in this blackish water, then you get out, and then you put sulfur on you, this white sulfur, and then they have this black ink where you can kind of warp paint yourself up. Uh, but then you let that sit on yourself before you go back in and wash it off. And it was it was really maybe it's all mental, um, maybe it's all placebo, but it, my body felt great afterwards. It was a really neat experience. Uh, so I can recommend doing the volcano water bath uh, if you're ever on St. Lucia. It was a really neat experience. But it also showed us, because we were there by ourselves and the driver, everyone else was there with a giant tour group. And you, you see what kind of a chaos it can be trying to wrangle 40 people into such a quick experience where we got to spend our time and enjoy all of it. So it was just really good. And the Botanical Garden was also I mean, just wonderful. Uh, it was really great that the St. Lucia, the island that we kind of targeted the entire cruise around, was really one of the best experiences of the entire trip. That's really great to hear because I have been to St. Lucia once and I got swindled in St. Lucia by the nicest guy ever. And we didn't do anything remotely that interesting. Uh, so that's really cool. Two questions for you. Do you remember the name of the beach? Because I'm sure people are going to wonder that. And the other question is between Antigua and St. Lucia, how did you find your private guides? Uh, I online searched. For the only person, the only uh, place we got a recommendation for was our next one, Barbados. Uh, but St. Lucian Antigua, I just started searching VIP search on Google for the uh, or Cruise Critic for VIP uh, tour. Sorry, because uh, I wanted something private and something interesting like that, and I ended up getting the the companies that we ended up using. And I don't think there was an, an official name for this beach. Uh, it was just really off a side road. It was it was just crazy. Mm. This, again, this might have been him trying to work us, but he says, you know, they filmed parts of the Pirates of the Caribbean in these areas and stuff like that. And it looked like it. It definitely looked absolutely amazing. Nice. All right. Let's let's move on to Barbados. Um, what did you do over here? 
Barbados. This was the one I was recommended by uh, a Twitter guy. I know a big news guy named Scott Gustin. He had recommended the Silver Moon catamaran experience. And we've done catamarans on other vacations. And again, they put a lot of people on a boat. It's fun, but it's not something fantastic. The Silver Moon, they limit the catamaran to 12 people. And you're getting this uh, more of an intimate experience. And it was just absolutely wonderful. Uh, first, they take you to where you're swimming with turtles. And that was it was just crazy. I, I couldn't believe these relatively big turtles are just swimming right by you, right near you. Uh, you know, they tell you don't touch them. You know, they're very good. And again, just like you saw the we saw the buses going to the volcanoes in um in Antigua or St. Lucia, sorry, in Barbados, we're on this 12 person catamaran and you have these gigantic boats with just people stuffed on them. And, you know, I can almost see that the other jealous looking at, you know, the smaller areas and they're probably going to book trips like this on their next cruise. It was just night and day of what a much more relaxing and much more freeing experience it was being with a small group. Uh, but again, the, after we swam with turtles and, and, you know, they had other fish and stuff like that, they took us to another area. We swam around, um, it's saw shipwrecks and stuff like that. Uh, and then they took the catamaran to this place called Sandy Lane, which is a pretty high end place, I guess, in uh, Barbados. It was it was super uh, ritzy seeing the hotels and the houses there. And we spent a large part of the day there. They made a lunch. It was uh, absolutely incredible. Highest possible recommendation if anybody's going to Barbados is book a silver moon catamaran. We were actually uh, the, the, as a group of 12. Uh, we were with a family of 10. And the, the the mother and father of that group had done the uh, Silver Moon cruise uh, two years before, and they decided to bring their entire family, their parents and their kids. Uh, and so there were ten of them and two of us, and it was just it was absolutely fantastic. Nice, that's that's really great to hear. And Silver well, Moon again is another third party, uh, but obviously you can book yeah. that through. That's pretty easy to find. And what I mean, and what they said is they used to be affiliated, or they worked through the the Royal Caribbean cruise excursions that you would book through Royal Caribbean, and they said you know Royal Caribbean charged more per person, and they took a huge cut. Uh, so to make it profitable, they just have to you know, overload their boats, you know, to make it worth their mm-hmm. time. And now instead, they take the lesser group of people. You pay less money, but you have a better experience because they're getting uh, more of the money. It was absolutely right. five stars. Loved it. So day six is your only sea day. Did you go Billy Hirsch style and sleep until one o'clock or did you uh, get up and at them and, and try to really get as much in as you could? You might as well sleep in because if you're not up at dawn, there's no way you're getting a good seat uh, in any of the pools. It was just crazy because we, we we went up. Oh, here's here's what one thing we did and what maybe we'll talk about dining mags. We eat mostly at the Windjammer. We love it. But on the sea day, we decided to go to the main dining room and they had it set up for a la carte and buffet. And I go, well, let's, let's do a la carte. You know, we're getting service. It just took forever. Uh, my girlfriend, she's a vegan. She, she did the buffet because it just had more options. She, she went up, I think three times before pancakes came. That's all I mean. That's all I ordered was pancakes. I just took so long. I'm like, this is why we don't do the main dining room, uh, <laughs> which is nuts. And so afterwards we went up to, you know, we, we got our crossword puzzles, we got cards, we went to go find a table and there was just nothing on any of the decks. Uh, it, it was just, it was pandemonium. So, I mean, sea days, I, I, I much prefer on this trip now to get a really port heavy. And if you want to have, you know, an experience on the ship, just one of the ports stay on the ship when it's pretty much empty. I think that's more enjoyable. That's a good strategy, absolutely. Um, and that's also your last. Found out there's not enough yeah. going on the Freedom class compared to the Oasis class and stuff like that. There's there just wasn't as much to do on a sea day, so you have everybody at the pools and stuff like that. 
Yeah, makes sense. So that's classic, you know, cruise experience also. And it's your only sea day. That's I think that exacerbates the problem more than anything. Because if you have two or three sea days, there's less of this. Like I think there's really a, a thought process, Derek, of like, oh my god, it's our only sea day. We gotta go to the pool. Like we haven't gone to the pool yet. We haven't swimming. And it's also this is after four days, four ports. So you might imagine people are interested in like doing something different. So that probably it 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 amplifies what would ordinarily be just like oh it's you know there's there's a lot of people at the pool versus like wow it's really busy up there. So I can totally understand where that how that's the case. Um, and then your last port was Saint Martin, which I absolutely love. What you end up doing here? Saint Martin. Uh, another thing on my girlfriend's bucket list was scuba diving. Now, I had no interest in this whatsoever, but something she's always wanted to do. Uh, she's snorkeled her whole life. She loves it, uh, and she wanted to try scuba diving. So we found one through Royal Caribbean, uh, where it's called Discover Scuba Diving. Uh, this is where you just get a quick training. They take you out, and eventually you're going to do like 30 minutes with with scuba to I think under 20 feet is what they can approve you to. Um, they also do the scuba dives for people who already know. You know, you have your own equipment, and we were on our bus to that from the port it's only like two or three minutes away and half the bus was filled with people who already scuba people and they're telling you, you're going to love it you're going to fall in love with it uh, so we get we get at the, the marina uh, she takes a lot of classes or not a lot of classes so she takes a class and you know, they kind of go over the basics of what you're going to be wearing what you're going to be doing and then we went right out to the sea uh, and the 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 ocean in St. Martin was just the best of anything. I mean, it was great in Barbados, but it was even better in St. Martin. It was just really calm. It was really beautiful, warm. Uh, <clears throat> I was actually, one thing I, I discovered on this trip was I could be an observer uh, for $60. You know, she paid, it was like 200 whatever it was. For 60 I uh, I was able to get the ride back and forth and drinks or whatever they had on the boat. Uh, but I didn't take part of any of the. I got a snorkel, uh, so while everyone else is scuba diving, I was snorkeling around, and it was. I followed them. You know, they went to like this uh, man-made uh, wreck. They are all scuba diving, and I was uh, just on top of them with the snorkel, and it was it was pretty neat. But she loved it. Uh, now she wants to become scuba certified. So now we know. I, I figured out, or I figured beforehand, we know you're either gonna like this and want to commit to it, or you'll find out with this discover class is not something you don't want to do. Snorkeling is good enough. But she found out she loved it, and it's something she wants to get involved in. Nice. It was it was um, fantastic. And it, you sent me a note here in your email about when about coming on the podcast. The French side was on strike. That oh yeah, like every Tuesday. And I, as a Disney fan, I've been seeing updates on this because of, of Disneyland Paris. And there's people complaining that you know their vacations are kind of ruined because they're seeing the working class there on strike. Well, half of these islands that we went to uh, were partially owned or whatever. They were previously governed by the French. So there's a large French contingent. And I think in, it was Barbados or one of the other islands uh, on the Royal Caribbean ship. They were explaining that um, – some of the excursions were canceled for various people booked through the ship. And they, they said it was because of after effects from a storm. I think, just from common sense, it's probably because there was still a strike going on. They didn't want to get them involved in that because the morning of St. Martin, uh, we were all in that in the, the big area where all the Royal Caribbean excursions get together and they separate into groups. And they said that they were afraid that these strikes would cause them to cancel some of their planned excursions. But it had been freed up that, that very night or the, the night before that morning. And now those excursions were back on because they had sent emails out to people saying, here's the changes that are coming into your planned itinerary. So whatever happened that day, the French part of the island opened up and all the excursions could go there. Oh, see, uh, Royal Caribbean gives a very viable answer. And uh, Derek immediately br- blames the French, which, you know, is not an unheard of uh, <laughs> leap of uh, logic right there. I like it. <laughs> 
Uh, so 20, right? That's I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think <laughs> what storms happened in the last two months that would cause this. <laughs> Uh, there was a big uh, hurricane. What can I say? Uh, <laughs> uh Maybe come back next time. Thank you. All right. Uh, so we, <laughs> we talked about. Oh, you also saw, you also saw some of the shows on board as uh, the entertainment. We talked about dining. We talked about your room. So what do you think about some of the shows you got to see on Freedom of the Seas? The ice. We've always do the ice shows. Uh, that was fantastic. Even though it's like the, the name of the ice show is like Freedom.com or something like that. It's bonkers. Yeah. Uh, but that was. Uh, the one show where I saw that there was available seating for the key, the other things I went to, I saw nothing. So I just ended up sitting wherever that one they had seating for the key and uh, Grand Suite guests or something like that. We had like front row middle of uh, the guy shows. So that was me. You're up close to all these skaters. So that was a pretty neat experience. And I think Royal Caribbean always does a great job on that. Yeah. Uh, we did another thing I think is the best show of either Disney or World Cribbing is their love and marriage game show. That is a yes. our favorite every time, Matt. I mean, it doesn't matter who's up there; it is just hilarious and fantastic. I don't, I don't know how such an easy concept works <laughs> so well. It's just unbelievably great. Yeah, the drink package I think helps a little bit in <laughs> getting people to uh, to get up there. But uh, you're right. I mean, it's it's a every time I'm like, all right, I've seen this show like 70 times. It can't possibly be funny again. And I see it, I'm like, nope, the show was really good. It's it's not for, leave the kids leave the kids at home. Or in your room, or Adventure Ocean, wherever. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's a fantastic show. One, one, I, I was able to walk by all the kids areas, Adventure Ocean, stuff like that. What I was surprised is that at like nine o'clock or ten o'clock at night, these Adventure Labs and stuff are still pretty full. I oh, was yeah. I was surprised. I mean, they're not in the room sleeping. Maybe we're different in terms of how the kids in our family, but our you know three to six year olds aren't up at ten o'clock still playing games. Uh, oh so no! Well, just, you you have not cruised with the Hotchbergs because I can tell you at home <laughs> my kids are asleep at eight thirty. But on the cruise ship, if we pick the kids up, Derek, before midnight, they will yell at us. Why did you come so early to come get us? They love it <laughs> because they get to. And look, I'm not going to complain too. I mean, the bar is open, so I'm going to be down there, but. Uh, no, on the cruise ship, man, if I'm not surprised, 10 o'clock, you start to get the cutoff because at 10 o'clock, you have to start paying for it after that. Okay. And then some people will, start, will pull their kids. Plus, it's already 10 o'clock anyway. But at the same time, uh, no, my kids are there at 12 to 1 a.m. is really not unheard of for, for that's pretty much the norm, I, I'd have to say. The areas did look great. I mean, if I were a kid, I would have loved playing them too, so I, I yeah, don't blame them. Absolutely. And so we all, you we mentioned that. Oh, let me okay. just show the one last show because we skipped the main show, which I guess was like a tribute to Broadway or something. Like that. I mean, I love the main shows. We did, we did Cats, I think, on Oasis, uh, and this one was uh, it was it was like a whole bunch of us. We did we just ended up skipping it. It wasn't like one themed show, which I'm more of a fan of. Uh, but on the last day of the cruise, uh, they had this Once Upon a Time stage show, uh, which was like think of Disney princesses and stuff like that in a singing show. It was it was really strong. I really like that one. I love that one, but it's one of my favorite shows. I've seen it a number of times, and it's uh, – I think – I agree. It's, it's some great musical performances and some great songs as well. I think it's a really good mix of choreography, singing, and, of course, the good uh, tracks that they they happen to select for it. So really, really yeah. nice stuff. I like that. You did mention also you saw some Cirque du Soleil magician? Yeah. His, his name was Xavier Mortimer, and before he came on, they were showing like clips of him on America's Got Talent and all these shows. Uh, and he was really inventive. Uh, he combined uh, magic with comedy and uh, the use of screens. It was really inventive show. I, he was their headliner for the week, and it was it was terrific. He was a, a great performer. Awesome. Glad to hear that. So 
all in all, it sounds like you had a pretty good time on there, uh, on Freedom, and, and the itinerary sounds amazing. I got to tell you, I'm jealous of what you did there, not getting back two minutes before <laughs> cut off withstanding, but you had a really good time in Antigua, and then, of course, uh, what you did over in uh, St. Lucia sounded amazing. I got to tell you, if I could go, I am now, like, would love to go to St. Lucia just to be able to check out that volcano water bath and the super secret Derek Bergen uh, double probation beach, whatever one that is. I am looking forward to checking that one out as well. Uh, it sounds like you had a really good time, like some really excellent uh, experiences on shore. We would definitely do this itinerary again. I mean, we were we were looking at booking another cruise, and we, we definitely want to do that perfect day at Coco Cay. We want to see the Eastern Caribbean, the Virgin Islands, and stuff like that. Uh, but if this came up again and the price was right, I, we would definitely do these islands again because every, every experience was great except the volcano hike, which I'll never do again in my life. And we'll <laughs> jump in front of somebody for signing them up for it. My, what's your name? Billy Hirsch. <laughs> Please get. Um, the other thing, uh, yeah, don't forget also. We have a great excuse for him. <laughs> <laughs> he loved that. Um, I was going to say the other thing that you um, you mentioned that you wanted to do this itinerary. And don't forget, there's also another Southern Caribbean itinerary that you haven't done with the ABC Islands. Yeah, of well, they, Aruba, they didn't Bonaire, Curacao. So. So you got we have taken a, a week-long vacation at Aruba before, so I've definitely done that island, and it was great, and I would definitely do it again. But yeah, on the cruise, people are mentioning that they've done the ABC. It's it's really something I didn't uh, realize before I started cruising just a couple of years ago is how many people do it as often as I do the theme parks, and they're on their 40th cruise, their 50th cruise, their 100th cruise, uh, and, and they just really talk glowingly about all these itineraries. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, before, I, before I let you go here, Derek, uh, one of the things we like to do with people who are new to the podcast is to uh, get to know you a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you a couple quick questions to get to know you and how you like to cruise on Royal Caribbean. So just say the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready to go? Yes. Since you sailed on Freedom of the Seas, what's your best tip for someone going on Freedom of the Seas for their first time? Wait until the boat comes out of dry dock <laughs> before you do it. But it is it – is, a great ship, I think. We've done it now twice. Uh, we've done the Disney Wonder and we've done the Oasis. Uh, we really like the Freedom. I think that's when we were on the Oasis. We're like, well, let's do the Freedom again because it's a small ship. Uh, it's got a lot of stuff. Uh, the Windjammer there is, I thought, much bigger than even the Oasis was. So I really like the food and dining experiences. And if you have somebody who's like vegan, like we, we travel with, or di uh, dietary restrictions, I think Royal Caribbean in general, but the Windjammer in specifically, is like your best option with so many great foods. I mean, I think they blew away Disney. Nice. Favorite restaurant on any Royal Caribbean ship? Like, again, Windjammer. Just, we did uh, Johnny Rockets. We've done Sabor. Uh, I've done the main dining room. But the Windjammer, the quality of food, the amount of it, I mean, just nonstop choices. It's it's the only place I've been to where you can stuff yourself to the point where your stomach is about to burst. You're like, I'll never eat again. And then you're thinking, wait a second, is that cheesecake? And you got <laughs> you got to get that out because the dessert they're just a, a you know a hundred different types of desserts. They all look fantastic. One of the nights they had like twenty five different types of cakes. I mean, with a person there cutting them, so like spice slice for you was just absolutely incredible. Loved it. Preferred drink while on a Royal Caribbean cruise. I'm basic. Uh, I pretty much just get Miller Lite. That's it. And we we do the Coke Freestyle machines. And have you seen this, Matt? I was kind of worried at first because we got the Coke Freestyle cups were included with the ultimate drink package. On the first couple nights of the cruise, Coke was out. Coke uh, and Diet Coke, like the, the screens were uh, gray, which means you can't choose them. 
I was afraid that the entire week there was going to be like no Coke, which seems to be a big drawback if you're getting a Coke freestyle uh, glass. Some, at some point during the cruise, they, they refilled them all up. Uh, but the bars were all pouring their Cokes out of two liter bottles. Uh, so there must have been some sort of shortage with, you know, the Coke deliveries. Uh, but I mean, we love Coke freestyle machines in general. But it's just odd seeing yeah. no Coke in the Coke freestyle. Yeah, I've seen like, you know, various flavors, like not Coke, but like, you know, like maybe the lime is out or something like that. But yeah, uh, that's kind of a big one, I would say. But yeah, it's not unheard the of that they would run out. The entire screen is gray. When, when Coke's out, the entire screen's gray because everything's it's connected to it. Coke. We got nothing but kale in here, people. Nothing but kale. <laughs> uh, favorite, this is going to be a tough one, I think, for you. Favorite port of call to visit? This 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 is tough. I mean, and these islands all have their you know you know positives. The water is, is so unbelievable, uh, and some of them have the mountains, the Patones. Uh, but I, I yeah, I actually would say St. Lucia, the one we were looking for the most, really over delivered on the amount of uh, things to do. We toured the entire island. It was just it was just wonderful. And it, but it's small enough where you can do a lot of stuff in a short amount of time. And lastly, what is your favorite song on the radio or your iPhone today? Uh, I just listen to podcasts. So the Royal Caribbean uh, blog. There you go. I, I like that answer. I can go. That's a <laughs> the check is in the mail, Derek. Appreciate. But Matt, <laughs> I have I have three questions for you. All right. Okay. Yes. Okay. These are listener demands. And first thing, number one, can we talk about pricing based on double occupancy? What is that all about? Is it is it a cruise standard because of the tradition, sort of yes. by Noah's Ark or something? I mean, defend your cruise line, Matt. Tell us why. It's all cruise lines do it, and it's based on uh, – to, to quote Derek, you ever seen uh, Fiddler on the Roof? Yes. Okay, so in the beginning of Fiddler on the Roof, uh, the main character is talking about all these great traditions they have. And then he says, you might be wondering why we have this tra- – how this tradition began. No one knows. <laughs> and, and that is kind of like I think it, double occupancy has been the, the 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 pricing model for the cruise industry forever. It is how they basically price themselves to be quote unquote profitable from a pure cruise fare standpoint, like almost a break even standpoint. Um, it's just it's the way it's been, and no one I'm sure there's a reason why, but boy, do I not know what it is. It's just I just know the entire cruise industry is based on that. All right, question two. There's probably an, a good amount of listeners like me who remember you from the iconic WWTA podcast. Let's say you were on a boat with your other co-host from that show and it started to sink. You only have one life preserver. We're not going to include Mike Scopa because he already survived the Titanic. Who do you save, Mike Newell or Len Testa? Oh, for sure, Mike Newell. I mean, he's from the Bronx, so he probably already has like a spare lifeboat that he already <laughs> commandeered because it fell off a truck earlier in the cruise i have no doubt that he's the most squirrely guy in order to get <laughs> to get that that spare boat to save my life my girlfriend would save len testa before me so i think that would be her answer all well, right I'm, number I'm sure, three i'll just tell everybody that when i got back that len named me as his sole beneficiary and that he wanted <laughs> me to have everything so Dying sorry witch. laurel all right, last question. You you spent a short time working for the WWE. If you could have a loser leaves town match with Scott Sanders of the Disney Cruise Line blog, would you want it to be in a steel cage, Punjabi prison, or have lumberjack rules with twenty theme park bloggers surrounding the ring? <laughs> Definitely not the lumberjack match because I just don't want to be around that many bloggers. Uh, my choice was the Punjabi prison, and what was the first one? Steel cage. 
Steel Cage for sure. Those Disney folks, they can't. As soon as it comes down, they're going to wonder whether Magic Band isn't working anymore. And then, bam, poke in the eye, low blow, roll them up in the in the reverse schoolboy. One, two, three. One, two, three. <laughs> Good answer. There you go. Well, Derek, thank you so much. That was, that was fun. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Real Green Blog Podcast. And hopefully we'll get a chance to talk on your – do you have another cruise booked? Uh, not yet. Because uh, okay. we one thing when we were with the Barbados in the Silver Moon, seeing the family with different generations there, the grandparents, the parents, the kids, we want to more involve our family. We think they have a great time too. Uh, so we're going to try to get some other people to try cruising because the rest of our family hasn't done it. They're like me. They put off cruising for so long just thinking that, you know, there's other options. But when you do your first cruise, you realize this is fantastic. Uh, so we want to get them on a boat and get them addicted to it as well. Absolutely. Well, Derek, thank you so much for joining us here. Really appreciate it. Be sure to guys check out uh, Derek on touringplans.com. He writes a number of blog posts, including the Saturday Six, which is always, always worth your read. It obviously comes out on Saturday, so check it out, uh, touringplans.com. Derek, thanks again. Thank you, Matt. All righty, time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the podcast where I go right into the Royal Green blog podcast email inbox and answer your cruise questions. You can always send me your emails by sending to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email today is from Jamie, who writes, hello from one of the four original group cruise participants. The four of us will be doing a 12-day transatlantic crossing in April 2020 on Anthem of the Seas. We're playing with the idea of disembarking from the ship in France and skipping the last port, Southampton. This would give us a three day, three extra days, I should say, or three days in general, in Paris. Is this even possible? If so, what would we need to tell Royal Caribbean and when? Thank you and see you in Florida. Jamie, really good question. So basically what Jamie is saying, he's booking a however long cruise, but instead of the cruise, you, and the cruise is scheduled to end in one port, but he wants to get off earlier and end voluntarily end his cruise sooner because he'd rather get off in port A than port B, right? Um, the answer is actually, what's funny enough is my cousin did this one time. We were on my honeymoon cruise. Yes, my cousin was on the same cruise as my honeymoon. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't as bad as it sounded. But anyway, he got off, I remember, in Cozumel instead of returning back to Port Canaveral. But here's the thing. You, the answer is you can, but it depends. And you have to get pre-approval in order to do so. So what this means is you need to go through Royal Caribbean. And there's actually, this is called a partial cruise. And partial cruises allow you to enjoy part of the cruise vacation. And then in the event you want to get off a different port, you can do so. It, certainly earlier than your scheduled departure date. The issue is you need to get scheduled clearance. And there's also restrictions. Certain countries such as the United States, Italy, and Norway have cabotage laws affecting passenger movements. These laws restrict foreign flag passenger vessels, like those that are operated by Royal Caribbean, from transporting guests from one port to another port in the same country. In the U.S., the cabotage law is applicable to cruise industries, commonly referred to as the Jones Act, but it's legally titled the Passenger Services Act. And uh, anyway, long story short, Jamie, I got an email and a phone and a fax number to reach. The email is aircgfo, so air, A-I-R-S-E-A, then the letters GFO at rccl.com, aircgfo at rccl.com. There's also a fax number 305-373-6695. And you should definitely let them know as soon as you can, hey, I'm on this particular sailing, and we're supposed to get off in this port, but I want to get off in this port. I know my cousin didn't do this. I know my cousin just went down to guest service and was like, hey, we're leaving here, peace out. I mean, that being said, I mean, how uh, 
I mean, if you just didn't show back up, I mean, what are they going to do? Hunt you down in the country? No. They're just. But obviously, you want to do the right thing and let them know about it, especially to clear out your account and, you know, bring all your stuff out, blah, blah, blah. This is pretty straightforward. I don't know. That, I mean, Italy is mentioned as one of the countries you, that has these, and I'm not sure if your cruise uh, embarks or disembarks in Italy, but uh, it's transatlantic, so I'm not sure how that'll work. But anyway, uh, I would definitely reach out to them there and start there with your inquiry, and hopefully you can, uh, it'll work out for you. But I guess it makes some sense. I mean, if you're doing Europe and you want to get off in one of the ports because he wants to spend more time in, you know, France as opposed to Italy or some other country, I mean, it certainly makes sense from a from a guest standpoint, just as long as they're good with it on that side, you know, that being either Royal Caribbean or the local authorities, um, you know, you're good to go. Our next email is from Brandon from Washington, D.C. Matt, enjoy the podcast. It provides me excellent escape from the daily work grind of work and commute. The information we provide helps us plan our next vacation on Royal Caribbean cruises, which my family have come to love. We are avid cruisers, and we've tried the fun ship, Norwegian, and Royal Caribbean, and plan to remain with the best from now on to the foreseeable future. My family and I are booked on our second Royal Caribbean Oasis-class ship, Symphony of the Seas, in July. In a moment of being cheap, we guaranteed a guaranteed ocean view balcony. I am hoping you will tell me they that I am hoping you will tell me they will assign our room. Oh, I don't know, like tomorrow. But I know that won't happen because I check almost every day to see if we have a room. Is there a range on when we should expect to get a room assignment? My concern is we'll get a room right above one of the nightclubs or a well-traveled area, which can get noisy, and will it be possible to call or go online to upgrade our room if possible. Please give us some good words. Keep up the good work with the podcast. Brandon, thanks for the email. So with the guaranteed room, let me answer your first question. There is no set time period in which they can assign your room. It can happen at any point, and I've even seen it go up to about two or three days before you're sailing. Now, before you start freaking out, Brandon, that's probably the outlier situation. I think most people get it much sooner than that, but there is no time. There's no telling, quite frankly, Brandon. One day, it will magically show up in your in your account, and it'll be there, um, but there is no way to know ahead of time. So that's kind of what you trade with that guarantee room of, you, know, you pick, you say, okay, that's like a guarantee, and then you let Royal Caribbean pick your room assignment in exchange for obviously saving them some money. But in your the other part of your question is like, what if you get a room and you don't love it? You have two choices. That, well, you have two choices at that point, right? First of all, if you get assigned a room and you don't want the room location, and there are other rooms of the same category, right? And when I say category, I mean like the number code, like you know, two B or something like that, or or six D, right? Not just balcony, but. If it's the same category and they're available, you can then move your room, you know, say, oh, room, you know, 7281 is the same category as the room I have, but that's available. Can I move to that one instead? There'll be no problems there to do that. So that's pretty straightforward. But if you want to upgrade your room, well, there's two, I mean, number one, there has to be an upgrade availability. And number two, if you want to spend more money, because I will assume your past final payment date, then you could always, you know, uh, go in there and, and pay more. Generally speaking, when it comes to final payment and upgrades, you know, after once you get the final payment date, oftentimes you will hear, and it's accurate, that once you get past final payment, everything's kind of locked in stone. So you can't cancel without a penalty, and you can't do a lot of things. But in practice, when you get past final payment date, if you want to spend more money, you know, if you're going to, you're going to tell Royal Caribbean, hey, look, I already spent X amount of dollars for this guarantee room. I want to upgrade to a junior suite or some other room that costs more money. I want to spend more money. Royal Caribbean is usually pretty good about saying. Yes, I will take more of your money, and they will allow that to fly. And I've done that before many times. Uh, this is something in which a good travel agent can really help you because sometimes you'll get some Royal Caribbean agents say no, and then oftentimes I just recommend just hang up and call back until you get somebody who tells you yes. 
but in practice, there should be no problem to upgrade at that point. But again, that's dependent on there actually being an upgrade opportunity. Because don't forget, a lot of these ships sail pretty full. So uh, keep an eye out for it. I know it's probably not the answer you're looking for, but more than likely, Brandon, it'll show up there a little sooner than later. I mean, yes, it could take until, you know, two or three days before you're selling. I've seen that happen where there was somebody on the Royal Queen blog message boards who I remember they got their assignment like the day before the cruise or something like that. I mean, we were all kind of really surprised that it took that long, but sometimes it does. Next, we have an email from Randy in Dallas. Who writes, Hi, Matt. Our next cruise is set for August on Enchantment of the Seas out of Galveston. Can't wait. Several episodes back, you told a story about your daughter becoming ill in the middle of the night and having to chat with the ship's doctor over the phone. That's an aspect of cruise ships I've never had to encounter, but was wondering about some insight. For example, how easy is it to get to the ship's doctor? Are the charges outrageous? Or how is ha payment handled? What services they offer, etc.? I realize it's a far-ranging question, but in case the needles ever needles, in case the need does ever arise, I'd like to have a bit of knowledge about how Royal Caribbean doctors operate. Thanks to the wonderful podcast, keep up the good work. Good question, Randy. And you know what? Um, this is an interesting topic because I think a lot of us wonder about this. So there is a there is a Royal Caribbean doctor on board. This is a, it's a basically a general practice doctor who is not, has a doctor. There's a nursing staff. They have a small medical bay, usually on like the bottom deck of the ship, deck one or two. And down there, you it's like, it's kind of like a walk-in clinic kind of a thing. It is open 24 hours if you need it. I mean, after a certain hour, you've got to wake the doctor up. So it's got to be an emergency. You know what I mean? If you're down there because you have like, you need Tylenol, they're not going to wake the doctor up for that one. But in the case of, you know, my daughter throwing in the middle of the night, they would have gotten him up. But the nurse is available 24 hours to talk to. And actually, at least two or three times, we've just had a chat with the nurse and they've talked us out of coming down there because they're like, look, if it's an emergency, yeah, come down here. But if it's not, you should wait till the morning and we'll take care of you. But here's what to expect. Number one, the doctor on board does not take any insurance. No matter what insurance plan you have, it does not matter. They don't take any, so it's irrelevant. What will happen is if you go to the doctor, whatever services you that are rendered will be charged immediately to your CPAS account. Now, you could then turn around then and apply that to your travel insurance, to your medical insurance. I mean, people have a lot of people have you know out of network medical insurance, which doesn't cover a lot, but maybe you know takes a little bit of the hit out of it. Um, perhaps your travel insurance will cover it, and then you know. But either way, you're gonna get charged it. You're gonna have to pay it, and then when you get home, you can deal with the, your insurance policy or what whoever, and have that reimbursed. So keep that in mind. How much does it cost? It depends on what happens. I we've been down there two times in which we've actually seen the doctor. And in both situations, the cost was about somewhere between $150 and $200. Depends on the ship. It seems to vary. There's no set price. That's like the, basically to go in there, have a consultation with the doctor and something prescribed, right? So the medicine will actually, the medicine was fairly inexpensive, uh, but they can prescribe a wide range of prescription medicine in addition to just over the counter stuff they have available. And then of course there's the fee. And if it sounds like a lot, it's actually not that much considering if you go to a urgent care at home, and that's about how much they charge you anyway for most places that I've been to, you know, before the insurance hits it. But anyway, I digress in that. That's that's just for, you know, a consult, right? Like you're just going there, they're listening to you breathe and doing stuff that doctors do on a regular visit. If you're going to something a little more in depth, if you're going to the point of certainly, um, you know, having a, you know, you're, you're having a, a procedure, you know, some a life-saving procedure or something that's a little more, in, you know, something happens to you. There's an incident that requires the doctor to perform some sort of an action on you. And I'm being very vague here. I mean, the prices can quickly skyrocket from there. I mean, 
you can, I mean, it's possible, especially between that and being medically evacuated. I mean, you can reach thousands of dollars. Do I think that's really going to happen? Probably not. But, you know, if you have an incident, if you have a, God forbid, a heart attack or something where you break a bone in there, I mean, there's going to be, that's more than the, you know, hey, here's, here's some Tylenol, you know, call me in the morning kind of situation. So, you know, it, that's, that's kind of a really basic 10,000 foot view of the doctor's facilities on there. What's interesting is that the same doctor that sees you, the ship doctor, is the same doctor that, that treats the, the crew members. And I remember we were there one time and there were some crew members coming in. One of them looked deathly ill. She must've had the flu or something. Um, you know, and they, it, there's a waiting room. It's first come, first serve. And they're very nice. It's it's really just like being in a in a doctor's office you've ever gone to, where they just you know they come, you come in and get a consult. So um, hopefully that makes some sense. And like I said, um, they don't accept any they don't accept any insurance. So if you have no insurance of your own, or you don't just don't want to trouble your own travel your own you have no travel insurance and whatever you just pay it'll be charged to your C pass card, and then after the cruise you have the opportunity to just pay that offhand, or when you get home you're gonna pay it no matter what. But when you get home you can try to get a reimbursement. So. Good question, Randy. Thank you for the email. Our next email is from Tom Fields. He writes, I was just listening to episode uh, to your December 28th, 2018 blog, episode 199, tips for the best cruise ship main dining room experience. At 38 minutes, 40 seconds, you had a question about stopping into Izumi to get a sushi roll without a reservation. You said yes, and they routinely do this for pre-dinner. Is there a charge for the sushi roll or because it sounds like you typically always have the dining packages that cost you anything? My wife and I are not foodies, so I can't bring myself to pay for specialty dining prices. However, my wife does love sushi. Myself, not so much. If she could pop in and get a free sushi roll every night, that would be awesome. Our very first cruise was on Royal Caribbean back in 2013 on Independence of the Seas, and they had a mini sushi bar in the Windjamer, and my wife was on Cloud 9. We've cruised several times since then. I've never found another ship, nor have we been back on Independence, so they may no longer do that. We just YOLO booked October 2019 cruise on Allure of the Seas this past weekend because my wife insisted that our already booked cruise on Harmony in December 2019 was just too long to wait. Needless to say, she didn't have to twist my arm too hard. Seven more points towards Diamond. Can't get enough of your blogs and your wealth of information you share. Keep the great work. Hope to see you on a future Royal Green blog group cruise. Good question, Tom. The answer is you pay for it when you go to Izumi. So Izumi is a specialty restaurant. Uh, Izumi, you only pay for what you order. It's price a la carte. So the reason why I like this, Tom, is I could drop in there, get one roll, which, you know, some of the more basic rolls will probably cost me, you know, 10 bucks or so, give or take, plus or minus, you know, five bucks here, whatever. But you get what I'm saying. But I only pay for that, as opposed to having a whole ornate meal there. And I certainly, because I'm doing pre-dinner, and that's just something I made up, by the way, um, you know, they, I, I just get in there. It's kind of, think of it almost like an appetizer, you know, a happy hour special kind of thing. But I go in there, just have one roll and roll out of there. No pun intended. The thing you should remember is that um, the Izumi generally, the subject availability, and I found though that most Izumis have a sushi bar, and the sushi bar is really easy to sit down. They rarely fill up to the point where there's no availability for one person to come sit down by themselves. So your wife could easily go in there, grab the roll and roll out. In fact, you could actually ask for it to go. You know, just call up the restaurant from your stateroom, say, hey, you know, I'm in a room, blah, blah, blah. I'd like to order this roll. Can I just have it to go? And you just like take out at home. You know, you go down there about 15 minutes later, pick it up, pay for it with your C-Pass card and you're on your way. So you can always do that as well, but it will cost you. And the dining packages are only working. You know, it's one restaurant a night, obviously, unless you have the unlimited dining package. And I suppose that would work, but it's not free. What you saw on Independence of the Seas was something called the Jade, which back um, right around the Freedom Class ships came out, their Windjamer had a section called Jade, which was, uh, as the name sort of implies, a Asian-style area of the Windjammer. And 
This was before Izumi was a major part of like every Royal Caribbean ship now. And back then they served up sushi. And I remember distinctly on my honeymoon cruise, we went every night, six o'clock for my, that was when I first started my pre-dinner little thing. We'd go there at six o'clock to go have like some, there, there was complimentary sushi. But with the rise of Izumi, if a ship has Izumi, they don't do complimentary sushi anymore. In fact, it's real, I don't, I honestly don't recall a ship in which they've done it uh, anymore, uh, Tom. In fact, there may, may, at best, there'd be like one night they would have it. But even when, you know, what happened, what really got me just to go to Izumi and just ignore what they were doing in Jade anyway, was the quality of sushi in the Windjammer was just terrible. I mean, it was, it was, it was worse than supermarket sushi. And it's just, you know, there's a difference really. And I, and I get it. Look, free is better than not free. It's always nice, but at the same time, when it comes to sushi, especially sushi, sushi is not like hot dogs. You know, you can't just you can't just throw it in there and it probably all tastes the same. There is definitely a major difference. And you know, I'm not like the world's you know biggest foodie about like, oh, it needs to be amazing. But by the time I swore off Windjammer sushi, there was a good reason for it. Plus, it was really basic stuff. It wasn't. I don't know. To me, as a sushi fan, it just wasn't where it needed to be, so I kind of just left it over there. So. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that one. All right, time for one more email, and it's from Dave, who writes, After booking my cruise, I found your page, and I've been following your podcasts and live videos, and I'm really enjoying your advice and expertise. After hearing about Allure's itineraries being changed, I was hoping I'd get some advice from you on what to do about my situation. I'm going to be selling on Allure of the Seas in February 2020. From Fort Lauderdale, two sea days, St. Thomas, then St. Tom, St. Martin, then St. Thomas, sea day uh, for one day, then Coco Cay, then back to Fort Lauderdale. I've not received any notifications of changes to this itinerary, but I am worried that it'll be changed since it seems like St. Thomas is the island most affected by the propulsion issue, and it's being replaced by San Juan. I don't want to go to Puerto Rico because we chose St. Thomas for a reason. If the alert can still make these ports and not lose any time, then I won't change, but if my itinerary is going to be negatively affected, and then I want to show, I want to change now so I can still take advantage of the best rates. I don't want to lose any time at Coco Cay, and while certain island changes are okay, there are some I don't want to go to. I would rather change now than be told a month from before my sale date that itinerary had be changed or worse or canceled. Dave, thanks for the email. So Dave is alluding to a change that um, what we reported on at realcreamblog.com in which there was evidently a propulsion issue with Allure of the Seas. No, nothing to worry about, nothing like safety-wise. You know, the ship is still very, very seaworthy and safe. But as a result, they were changing itineraries. And as Dave's mentioned, he's correct, a lot of itineraries were being changed where St. Thomas was swapped out for San Juan, Puerto Rico. My advice, look, Dave, I don't have a, my crystal ball. I can't promise you one way or the other. I mean, I certainly would be, and nobody should promise you that your sailing is going to be quote unquote safe from this change or not safe from this change. It, I honestly don't know the answer to your question. If you are truly worried about it, and I wouldn't be, I think Puerto Rico is amazing. And while I understand that you'd r rather go to St. Thomas, it's not like going to Puerto Rico is going to like Newark, New Jersey. You know, it's <laughs> it's kind of a still a really beautiful area. But okay, we'll take that out of the equation. My advice would be change. You should change ships just because if that's that important to you, then you really should consider changing to maybe Harmony of the Seas or Symphony of the Seas or even Oasis of the Seas for that matter. Because obviously we're not aware of any issues with that ship. You should also be aware, Dave, that by the way, there's any number of reasons, not to like scare you or anything, I'm not trying to do that, but you should be aware that itinerary changes are a thing that happens in the cruise industry. Uh, it can happen because of weather. It can happen because of a mechanical issue. It can happen because of, uh, you know, who knows? Un completely unforeseen. There is no guarantees in the cruise industry, especially when it comes to itineraries. So uh, in your situation, based on your email, and I don't know you very well, Dave, but based on your email, I would tell you maybe you should consider changing to a different ship 
that goes to St. Thomas, just because you are aware of this issue, there is the potential it may affect your itinerary. It stands to reason. I don't think you're making too much of a leap of, of logic that it could. And if it's that important to you, you'd, you'd be upset about the change to the point where it would become a problem. You'd be upset with the change and be like, okay, well, you know, okay, sera, sera. But, uh, you know, if it's going to be a problem, then yes, you should, this would be a good time for you to, you know, make a preemptive change. And look, if, if it ends up that allure goes there, well, you're still on a ship that goes there and you're, you're, you hopefully you, the ship you pick will also be able to visit there. No problems there. And obviously if you do dodge that bullet, so to speak, well then, you know, it's, it's win-win. I guess I don't really, it, again, it depends which side of the coin you're on. Are you on the case Sarah Sarah side or are you on the, Hey, this is my vacation. I really want to go to St. Thomas. It's a problem if it's not then yes, I do think you're not making a mistake by necessarily changing. Obviously, you'd be subject to new pricing and all that other stuff, but hey, you know, you got to put a question, can you put a question or a price rather on the ports you want to visit? But again, just keep in mind that, look, there's a, there are the reasons why it may not occur, very unlikely, but need to put that out. There are no guarantees when it comes to itineraries in general, whether we're talking about going on a, a, a you know, a cruise because of uh, any port, because weather especially, uh, you know, port issues, uh, there's a lot of reasons in which ports get skipped. It's not common. It's not something that I think happens all the time. And in fact, I'm trying to think if I think I, I've only had it affect me maybe two or three times in my entire you know cruising career where we've had to completely skip or swap out a, a port. Actually, what's funny is not funny, but um, when the very first Royal Caribbean Blog group cruise on Quantum of the Seas, I think our itinerary got changed by Royal Caribbean at least five or six times. I mean, it was really weird. We were supposed to go to, I remember we were supposed to go to the Dominican Republic on that one, Samana, and that got swapped out like three or four times. It, we, I think we had, by the end of it, at least five or six itinerary changes. So you've got to go into any cruise with just a, okay, this is what we're looking to do, but you know, things can happen. You never know. So thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out the Royal Caribbean Blog podcast. Uh, of course, you can always send me your emails by sending them to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hochberg, and we'll talk again soon.